I don't know how to talk to kids, but he does. That was Jesus. You, you guys need to understand that. That's him. I didn't think of that on my own. We have to get our eyes off the vessel, and we have to hear who's speaking, and it's God. He's here. He speaks through imperfect vessels, and it really is all about him, and he wants us to be drawn to him. And that's my prayer for you this morning, that you'd be drawn to him. Lord, I'm so grateful that you speak to us, Lord. Uh, you used people in my life, but Lord, it was you. I knew it was you calling me. Even though I was rejecting you, I knew it was you. But somehow you won my heart. And the more I seek you, the more I love you. And Lord, I pray as we look to your word this morning, you would help us to seek you. You would help us, Lord, to just get our eyes on you. Just to remember really who you are, what you've promised us, Lord. And Lord, to walk by faith, not by sight, not by our feelings. Lord, you're preparing a people. Um, you're, you're trying to help us. You always, or I should say, you don't, uh, allow your called ones, your your friends, to not know what you're not what you're going to do. Just like Abraham was your friend, Lord. You, we're, if we're truly yours, we're your friend, and you're not going to leave us unaware. You're going to uh, prepare us for what's coming, Lord. You, you're going to use us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as we look to your word, you'd help us to just let you do what you're wanting to do in us, Lord, so that we'll be better prepared so that we'll stand, so that, Lord, we can be the testimonies you're going to need in the earth, Lord, so that you can use us the way you're wanting to use us, Lord. So I thank you, and I, I trust you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the, the title of my message this morning is, I Am the Lord. I am the Lord. And we'll see, um, that can mean a lot of things. I don't know what you think of when you hear that. My first thing when I think of Lord is he's master, he is Lord, he's in charge. But there's a lot of other meanings to that. Um, and we're going to look at one in particular this morning. I want to encourage you guys this morning. And I want to tell you, that God's desire for you, God's plan for you, isn't to die in the wilderness. That's not his plan. That's not his goal, for you to die in the wilderness. His plan is to bring you into his promise. His plan is to bring you into your inheritance. So don't die in the wilderness. Don't die in the wilderness. I'm going to be looking at Exodus chapter 6, but I'm going to go back a little bit to Exodus 5, uh, just to give a little backdrop of what's going on here with Moses, most of all right now, uh, because, you know, God had called Moses to basically deliver his people and to bring them into his plan. 
their inheritance, to deliver them from bondage, and to bring them into a, a promised land, an inheritance. And Moses obeys the Lord, and he begins his mission to the people, his calling to the Lord, and things don't go exactly the way I guess you would think they should. And he's struggling. So in Exodus 5, verse 22, he's expressing this to the Lord. It says, Moses returned to the Lord. He says, Lord, why have you brought all this trouble on these people? Why did you even send me, basically says. Like, it's gotten worse. You told me to go deliver these people. You told me to do what I was supposed to do, and I did it, and it's worse. God, what's going on? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people. And neither have you delivered your people at all. Aren't you glad God understands our weaknesses? He understands our struggles. And you know what? You know what I love here? Um, God was okay with Moses coming to him with these questions. And he wanted to help him out. And so in chapter 6, he's helping him out. And he wants to help you out today. He wants to help us out. And, and whoever is listening, he's wanting to help his people out, especially now in this hour, because our problem is, it's kind of like what Rose shared, we've been uh, indoctrinated with a lot of false teachings in the church and we have a wrong concept a lot of times of how God's supposed to work and what things are supposed to look at even though he is delivering even though his promises are going forth because they're not the way we would like because we believe a lie or the wrong kind of doctrine about God we wind up dying in the wilderness because we don't understand who he really is and how he really works and so we wind up complaining, we wind up disobeying, and missing out. And I'm, I'm, my, my fear for many is they're going to die in the wilderness. There's going to be many in the church. You know, the Bible talks about a falling away in the last days. So why? Because they don't understand who God is. They've made a God of their own image. And when things really get hard and things seemingly seem like, where is God? Their faith will not stand. And so God in his mercy, what he's doing constantly is trying to refine our faith. And that's really what's going on here. And that's really what's going on in your life right now. He's refining your faith. He's helping you so that you'll stand, so that you won't die in the wilderness. Because his plan, desire, is he's going to bring you into everything he has promised. Didn't he promise that to us? Well, has he changed his mind? No. So in Exodus 6 now, verse 1, the Lord says to Moses, Moses, now you're going to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let the people go. And with a strong hand, he, he will drive them out 
of his land. And God spoke to Moses and he said this to him, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty, but by, but by my name, the Lord, I was not known to them. Now, this can be a little confusing because it is used in Genesis and different places before this, but our problem is there's other root meanings to this word, and so there's different facets to this name. So in this instance... God is expressing a different facet that he has not expressed. And it's Jehovah. Okay? I am the Lord. In the Hebrew is, I am Jehovah. So again, this is the first time he's declaring this. And um, it basically means that his name is a pledge that he's going to do everything that he said. I want you to remember that. So when you think of he is Lord, don't just think of where your mind naturally goes because there is an aspect of that that is, I am going to do what I said. I am a God who fulfills my promises. I am Jehovah. That needs to get in you. It needs to get in me. It's used in other places, not many. It's used in a psalm, but it's also used in Isaiah. In Isaiah 12.1, talking about the salvation that would come through Jesus, it says, in that day you will say, O oh Lord, I will praise you. Isaiah 12, verse 1. Though you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. Why? For Yah, the Lord. It's that same word. My God does what he says. Yah, the Lord, is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. That's a lot different than walking around the wilderness complaining, isn't it? <laughs> no, you will draw water with joy. In that day, you will say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his deeds among the people. We need to be doing that with one another. That's the encouraging one another as we see the day approaching. We need that. We need to be encouraging one another. Reminding each other who the Lord is. Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his deeds among the peoples. Make mention of his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done great things. Excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out, shout, O inhabitant of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Hallelujah. It reminds me of Philippians 4, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. What does that mean? It means always, even when I'm in a wilderness place. Especially then. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And then we're told, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a promise. Jehovah does what he promises if we do that. Then we're told to meditate on these things. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. You know, I know we get bad reports a lot of times. And early on this week when I was praying about this, the 10 spies kept coming to me. And we all have these 10 spies in our life, don't we? These different ways that all these different bad reports come to us. Whether it's through a doctor, whether it's through someone we know, whether it's a situation with a family, but all these bad reports coming to us. But there's always a Joshua and a Caleb. And we have a choice, which report are we going to believe, right? Well, all, all that I know is, no matter all the reports that are out there, God's given a good report. God said, I will, I will. We're going to see in a minute. Just like um, Joshua knew, and that's what they were trying to remind him. Like, look, okay, this giant said, okay, yeah, I understand that. But God said, Jehovah! The one who does what he says, he said he's going to go before. He's going to take care of these giants. He's going to take care of it all. He's going to bring us in. He's going to bring us into houses we didn't even build. Don't listen to that. Believe God. Well, we know what happened there. That's why it's so important for us to believe the report God has given Even though this is on tape, I have to say, Lupe, I love you. It's so good to see you. God bless you, sister. I couldn't resist. <laughs> if there's anything praiseworthy, that's what you should be meditating on. In this life, there's not much praiseworthy. Is there? But there, everything in God is praiseworthy. Meditate on the things that are praiseworthy. Mainly God. He's worthy of praise no matter what. He's worthy. Meditate on these things, the things which you've learned and received, heard, saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. doesn't say anything about circumstances changing, but it does promise peace. Jesus had peace in the boat. He was sleeping during the storm. The disciples, not so. But, you know, when they woke him up, what was their accusation? Jesus, you don't care! Well, did Jesus say to the Father, Father, you don't care! There's a storm going on. No, he was sleeping. Why? 
he understood the father's in control. He was in perfect rest in the father's will. Because Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Well, then they're going to the other side. So he wasn't worried about the storm, right? The father, he said nothing he did wasn't from the father, right? So obviously the father instructed him, you're going to the other side. So he slept. The father said, I'm going to the other side. I'm not, okay, so there's a storm. I'm going to go to sleep. Not so with the disciples, right? <laughs> Jesus, you don't care. And he looks at them like, guys, where's your faith? And with a couple of words, just peace be still. And, and because he's in control of everything, just the water, you know, everything calms. And then they're like, who is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. Well, he's revealed to us who he is. We just got to remind ourselves when we're in that storm. And if we'll do, like Philippians 4 says, if we'll meditate, if we'll praise him, if we'll remind ourselves who he is, we'll be able to sleep in the boat. God really wants to bring us to the place where we really can sleep in the boat when it seems like it's going down. That's what he's after. When he says, will I find faith in earth? That's what he's after. Because it's going to seem that way. Especially in the days we're living, it's going to seem like the boat's going down. But God's people are not going to be panicking. Those he is preparing, they're not going to be panicking, but also they're not going to be sleeping. They'll be awake, but they'll be ready to help others into the boat that Jesus is in that ain't going down. Because everything will be shaken. But if we're in the boat with Jesus, that can't be shaken. That's why we're here, to help others. They're not in the boat. Or I could say, they're not in the ark. And we got to help them get in. But how are we going to do that if we're panicking, if we don't understand who's in control? So he's helping us now. He's refining us now. So the Lord reminds him what he's going to do. Your heavenly Father wants you to know, I am the Lord. There's a promise in Isaiah 23 as well, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. This is the, there's only three places this word is used. This is the third. For in Yah, the Lord, Jehovah, is everlasting strength. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in you. Yah, the Lord, Jehovah. Again, that doesn't mean everything's going to go the way we want. And I shared a little bit earlier um, just what the past few days have been like. And I could say nothing went the way I wanted. 
but it went exactly how God wanted. Because you know what? He's refining my faith too. He keeps pressing into my heart, Jeff, do you trust me? Am I enough? And like Rose said this morning, I have to get out of my head that I have to somehow twist his arm. He's there for me. He's just waiting for me. He's waiting for you to just trust him and to praise him and to look to him. So it doesn't mean everything goes the way we want. Our hope and our ultimate reward isn't in this life. And I think part of our problem is we're way too earthly-minded. If you think about the, the heroes of faith, what really helped them was their eyes were on eternity. They understood where their reward was. So let's go on here in Exodus 6, verse 4. Because God now is reminding him of the promise he gave. And he says in verse 4, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians kept in bondage. I have remembered my covenant. So I want you to hear the language here. This has nothing to do with anybody except what God does and, and hears and responds to. All the people did was groan. They didn't seek Him. They didn't ask for His help. They groaned and God heard their groaning. He, he understood their bondage. It's a picture of you and I. When we were yet sinners under the bondage of sin, God heard our groan. And He acted. It's not of yourselves. It's of God. It's pure grace that we're saved. And He made a covenant with them just as He made a covenant with us. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people. And I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The Lord God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I have swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give you it as a heritage. And that means as your birthright. I am the Lord. It's a sure thing. God did what he said. We have an account of it in Scripture. He did it. Because God does what He says. He miraculously delivered His people from the hands of the strongest nation of that day. I mean, we don't really think about how miraculous that was. How God delivered this people. It was supernatural. They were slaves. They didn't have an army. 
God divinely intervened and supernaturally brought about judgments on this mighty nation to deliver his people. And he did miraculous signs, miraculous wonders. And I thought about that, and I thought about my testimony, and I want you to think about your testimony. You need to remember back when you were in Egypt, when you were under bondage, how God delivered you. That was a miracle. It's a miracle I'm here. It's a miracle that I know God, that He saved me. We have to remind ourselves, we have to remember how He worked in our lives. It was a, a miracle. It was supernatural. He delivered you. Our salvation is such a miraculous work of God. It's really more, and we like big and you know in the natural and all but spiritually what happened it's so much greater than what he did for the children of Israel if it wasn't there would have been no need for the new covenant so our covenant is way better than their covenant and we we've been looking at that here as a body so God did what he said he delivered them hallelujah so if God has delivered you you have to know you are his child. You are now his people. You are his people. He's called you out. But here's the thing. The journey doesn't stop there. He doesn't just deliver you. He's taking you somewhere. Okay? I would have been happy. You know, at first, I just wanted to be delivered from drugs. That was my goal. That wasn't God's goal. Oh, just deliver me, Lord. Why? So I can have a nice life. You know, because this thing is messing up life. It's messing up my marriage. Lord, just take this thing away. No, his idea is to save me to the uttermost, to call me out of my life in this world, because that's what salvation is. Called out. He makes us saints. He sets us apart. And we're called into to live for another kingdom. He's got such a greater picture and goal than we most of the times have. So the journey doesn't stop there. God's plan is much bigger. We've been given a covenant by God. Think about how Jesus redeemed us from sin's burden, from Satan's rule, because we were under Satan's rule. That The way they were under Egypt, that's a picture of us under bondage, under the rule of Satan. That's what we were. But yet God, with a stretched out arm through Christ, gave us a victory. By Christ, we've been reconciled by God. We've been brought through the Red Sea. God called us out. He set us apart to be his people. He says there in Exodus 6, verse 7, I will take you as my people. I will be your God. In other words, I've called you out. I've set you apart. That's part of my plan. Not just to deliver you. You're going to be my people. And I'm going to be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord God who brings you out from other the burdens of, of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. 
He has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's the picture of our deliverance from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of love. Hallelujah. That's the new covenant ratified in the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Hallelujah. And then in Titus 2, it talks about God and really <laughs> the purpose of His grace is that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people. That's what He's doing, people. He's purifying you to be His own special people. He's purifying a church to be His own special people. That's what's happening right now. Well, how does that happen? He leads you and I into a wilderness. In Scripture, a wilderness or desert places usually re represent places of testing. It's places, it's conditions God uses in our lives to train and to develop our faith, to enhance our walk with Him, to prepare us to be the people of God. And he wants to teach all of us that he's still Lord in those places. He's still Lord. It's a place for set-apart ones to be purified and tried in the furnace of God to be prepared for his upward calling in Christ. God is training you how to fight the good fight of faith. We've all been enlisted. You have been enlisted in God's army. He's training you how to fight. But we don't do it in our own way. Our fight, people, you understand what our biggest fight is? It's faith. Is, is God really good when I don't get what I want? Is God really good when things don't look the way I would like them to look? When I don't, things don't happen the way I would want them to happen? Is He still good? Is He still faithful? Is His promise still a sure thing? Will I praise Him in the midst of it? That's what He's after. Because He is good. He is faithful. He knows exactly what He's doing. And our inheritance isn't ultimately here. It's in the life to come. That's what the heroes of faith had, like we looked at earlier. So we can praise Him. Instead of murmuring and complaining, like the children of Israel did. It's very dangerous to do that. Why did God take Israel through the world? Why didn't he just take them right in? You ever think about that? He did so to help them to grow and mature so they would know how to fight when they got to the land. Because they had a fight. They still had a fight to get into the land. But, but it was really God who fought them. But, so he, he was wanting them to know something, and most of all, it was to know Him. 
That's where they missed it every time. Because he says over and over, they didn't know me. They didn't know me. They didn't understand my ways. So we got to know him. We got to understand his ways. James 1 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So God might have you in a furnace right now. He might have you in a trial right now. He's wanting to refine you. He's promised to bring you into an inheritance. Again, like I said earlier, his plan isn't for you to die in the wilderness. That's not his plan. And we can learn a lot from the children of Israel what not to do. And we're, we're shown this in 1 Corinthians 10, where it talks about this from Exodus. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. In other words, you need to remember you need to learn from their example that all of our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They were all devoted to Moses. They all acknowledged him as their ruler and guide and were brought under his authority. They all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our, exa our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and not become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So basically he's saying, listen, they all experienced all the same spiritual blessings of God. His guidance, his provision, his protection, his presence. And Jesus told us, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the earth. And he's there with you in the wilderness. He's there with you in the trial. He promised you. Their problem was they weren't content with God's lot for their lives or with his plan and direction at that particular moment. I don't like this place I'm in right now, Lord. And it was God's place of fire. But remember, God is leading you. Jesus is leading you. Those who are his are led by the Spirit. Well, Jesus was also led by the Spirit. And before he went into his ministry, the Spirit led him where? Into the wilderness. Why did God do that? And this is glorious. So he could do what we can't do. He overcame in the wilderness so we can. You understand that's why our covenant is so much better? Jesus did what we couldn't do. Now we just got to look to him. He's given us what the children of Israel didn't have. All that, all the children of Israel was just proving you can't do it in the flesh. This is where it's going to go every time. But Jesus did what we couldn't do. Praise the Lord. So beware of discontentment and discouragement because that will lead to all kinds of things. 
It'll lead to idolatry. It'll lead to sexual immorality. It'll lead to complaining. It'll lead to turning to other things to find comfort or trying to make your own provision or way or, or more worse yet, choosing a different leader, which is what the people wanted to do, and wanting to go back to Egypt. Many will fall away. He who called you has promised he will always be there for you. And we don't have a high priest that doesn't sympathize. So Jesus shows us how to go through. When he was led up into the wilderness in Matthew 4 to be tempted of the devil, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, it says he was hungry. And now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. In other words, make your own provision. But Jesus said, it is written. He could have said, my father said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So how did Joshua and Caleb not believe the bad report? Meditate on your word, on your precepts, on your law, day and night. Simple. The Lord said. The Lord said. The Lord said. Then it says the devil took him up on the holy city and he set him on the pinnacle of, a te of the temple and said, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. I'll say it this way. My God doesn't have to prove himself to me, and I'm not going to tempt him in that way. And, you know, God kind of dealt with me on that a little bit. Sometimes I still want God to prove himself. Oh, no, he, he's done that already. He doesn't have to prove himself. And that was Jesus' reply. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't tempt the Lord. And they were literally in the fire. But remember what they said to Nebuchadnezzar? When he basically said, if you don't bow down and worship, I'm throwing you in the fire. They said, well, we know who our father is. We know he can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down to your little idol here or your big idol. In other words, he doesn't have to prove himself to me. And really what happens to us in the earthly really doesn't matter. We know who our God is. We need that. We're going to need that so we don't bow down. Even if God doesn't deliver us. You know, the heroes of faith, we always got to remember, and I know I share this a lot, we always want to lock in on, you know, raising the dead and subduing kingdoms and stop the mouths of lions, but there's another half there. Tortured, sworn in two, thrown to lions, you know. I mean, the list goes on and on. Not delivered. And it says they all had a good testimony of faith. We have to remember that. God is good no matter what because my inheritance is not here. It's there. He's provided something better for us too. 
My father doesn't have to prove himself to you, devil. Then in verse 8, devil took him up again on an exceedingly high mountain. He showed him all the kings of the world and their glory. He said, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written. You, you, you see in the key here? God said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Jesus was saying, I love my father. I know who my master is. I don't have two masters. That's why he said, don't have two masters. You can't worship God and marry You can't go after the world and God. You can't have two masters. So Jesus is calling us to learn from him. And we can learn from Jesus how to live this life of faith, how to get through the wilderness. And we see it in those three things there. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle, I am lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's not hard, people, when you simply rest in him and consider him and learn of him. It's not hard. We make it hard. When all we're looking at are the circumstances and we're looking at ourselves and we're believing the bad reports, we make it hard. But when we rest in him, in the finished work of Christ uh, and the new covenant, what he's already done for us, we're able to praise him and glorify him. Proclaim the praises of him in the midst of the assembly, no matter what's going on. Seeing then, Hebrews 4, verse 14 says that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. We don't have a high priest who doesn't sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. He did what we could do. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Now that chapter in 1 Corinthians finishes with, in verse 11, all those things happened to the children of Israel for our example. They were written for our admonition upon whom all the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There is no temptation such as common to man, but God is faithful. He's faithful. You don't have to die in the wilderness. He's faithful. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must, must first believe what? That he is. He is what? For this morning's sake. Jehovah. He is Lord. He fulfills his promises. Because it really is about knowing him and understanding he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Moses gave the people God's word. Jesus was the word made flesh to us. God speaks to us now through Jesus. He gave us his word 
We have the Word. I can go to the Word of God. I can meditate. I can remind myself who He is. I can look at His promises. I can thank Him over His Word. It's right to do that. He's given me His Holy Spirit. He's given me His Spirit. The same Spirit and power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. His grace is sufficient. His strength is perfected in my weakness. He's made a way for me to stand in my hour of temptation. And He's also made a new living way for us to come up to the mountain and to commune with God face to face. We don't need a Moses to go talk to God for us. He's given us access. You can behold Him yourself. You can talk to God face to face. Take advantage of that. So, I'll end with Hebrews 10.35. Therefore, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. You have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come. He will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As I close this morning, I'm reminded of what it was like to live in Egypt myself and be under the bondage of sin and know the hopelessness that you just feel when you're not made alive by the Spirit of God and you're looking to the world and you're bound and you're, you just know something's not right. You're empty inside. You're groaning inside. The Bible talks about creation groaning. Why? It's under a curse. And if you haven't given your life to Christ, you're still under a curse and therefore you groan. You don't, might not understand what that groaning is, but it's because um, you're away from Christ. You haven't been brought into His promise, the new covenant, where He's made a way for you to be delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So I want to extend, or God wants to extend this morning and I want to say to you, God's made a way for you. He's made a way for you. You don't have to stay in Egypt. And you know, when those children of Israel went through that Red Sea, that's a picture of baptism. They went under the water and then out. And again, God's desire was to bring them in. And so there's a dying, there's a death that has to happen. 
You have to leave Egypt. You, you have to turn away. That's what it means to repent. You have to repent of your sins. You have to forsake Egypt, which is your life in this world. It's looking to this world. It's going after the things that you have to forsake your life in this world and you have to follow God. You have to go through the water. And if you'll follow him and turn to him today, he'll lead you into his new covenant, into inheritance that's uncorruptible, undefiled, waiting in heaven for you. So if there's anyone here this morning, if there's anyone listening, you've heard the gospel. You know God's been calling you. You're still groaning inside. God has made a new and living way for you. Jesus is calling you to come to him and to put your faith in him today. And so I invite you this morning, if there's anyone here, to come forward and to surrender your life to Christ. Anyone listening online, turn away from your sins. Repent. And turn your life over to Christ. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to wash you. Ask Him to cleanse you. Ask Him to come and live inside of you. So Lord, I pray right now that you would draw hearts to you, Lord, those that are still in bondage. Draw them, Holy Spirit, to you, I pray this morning. You hear their groanings, God, and I pray that they would respond to you. I pray, Lord, they will take your hand and let you lead them where you're wanting to take them, Lord, into life. Your desire isn't that they would perish, Lord, but they, they would have life. You don't desire that any would perish. You've been long-suffering, Lord. So, God, I pray you will grant hearts repentance this morning so that they will come to you and know that they can have eternal life because of what you have done, Lord. So I thank you this morning. And I'm trusting you, Lord, to draw hearts unto yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think what I'm going to do uh, to close today, because I had a second group of people in my mind this morning that maybe are in that wilderness place and you've been struggling and maybe you failed. Maybe you've been complaining and murmuring and turning to the wrong things, whatever it might be. Um, listen, I've been there, you know, God was making it real, and he always does, that you almost, when God gives you a message, you almost feel like, I don't have the right to preach this because I'm not there yet. I'm not where I need to be yet. Lord, do I even have a right to preach this? So, But, you know, he helps me. It's like, as Jeff, as long as you're letting me work it into you, as long as you're in the process, and I know that's your case. I know that's what's going on with you guys, but we do need prayer we do need to be encouraging one another and praying for one another but how are we going to do that if we, we're not honest like yeah I mean, i'm struggling yeah man i was practically cursing god yesterday 
Yeah, this, that, Lord, help my, the, the cry that is, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, help me to have faith. And so I want to end it today with that. You know, that we want to take these times as the meetings are closing for prayer, to come up front, to express a need, to come alongside, to pray with you to believe God, to give you what you don't have in yourself. Why? Because we understand, and most of all, he understands, and his call is, come to me. I get it. Listen, I went through everything you go through, but I did what you can't do, so let me just give you what you need. So we want to pray with anyone this morning. You just need prayer, you know. I could use prayer, to be honest with you. I've been going through it, but I'm good. But I know there's some here that need prayer. Uh, so uh, I just want to open it up for that. Um, you know, you're dismissing all, but let's just keep an attitude of prayer and encouraging one another. And listen, I don't care if maybe God's laid it on your heart to go to someone sitting next to you. And you could pray for one another out there, but let's take some time today. Let's remind each other, he's Lord, he's Jehovah. Let's pray, let's remember who he is. Let's believe God, he knows what he's doing. Let's go to his throne of grace. And he promises he's gonna give us what we need. So I wanna encourage us to enter in to each other, to let's bear one another's burdens in that way today through prayer, okay? And Lord, I just trust you'll bless this time uh, for anyone that needs prayer, Lord, and that we would go from here this morning just with a greater sense, a greater knowing, Lord, that you really are Lord. You are Jehovah. And Lord, that you know what you're doing and you know how to reveal yourself and you know how to give us what we need and you know how to bring us to the other side. The boat's not going to sink. You're in it. You're going to get us to the other side, Lord. So we thank you and we trust you. And our faith is in you. It's in nothing else, Lord. So I pray you'll go with my brothers and sisters. I pray you'll encourage them and give them the grace and mercy they need, Lord, as the days go forward, Lord. And just continue to perfect us, Lord. I thank you, God, for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord. You are preparing us. You are... Uh, making us a people, Lord, that will be able to praise you and, and be the light you're wanting us to be, Lord. So thank you, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.